Brethren, all the saints through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fires, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering over deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfection of our faith. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew. Let us be attentive. said to his disciples, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Then Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? 
Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world when the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many are first will be last and the last Proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Every year on this Sunday, the Sunday after Pentecost, the church sets aside this day in memory of all, especially the martyrs who have died and who have shed their blood for Christ. In addition to the martyrs, we also remember all those who have led saintly and godly lives especially those who are unknown to us, but most certainly known to God. In looking at the calendar of the Orthodox Church, it's a very neat picture we see with the Paschal season has a very distinct look. At the center, of course, is Pascha, the resurrection of our Lord. At either end, however, like bookends, we have two occasions in particular at which the central importance of martyrdom is underlined. At the very beginning of Great Lent, in this cycle that we have been in, on the first Sunday, of course, the Sunday of Orthodoxy is observed. We carry the holy icons in procession, and very special reference is made to the sufferings and the struggles undergone by the saints to the persecutions, the tortures, and exiles that they faced for Christ's sake. So that triumph of orthodoxy turns out to be a feast in honor of the martyrs and confessors of the faith. And the only triumph we should note that the church on earth can or should expect is that of bearing witness for Christ, dying for him, even martyrdom. It takes pride in nothing else but the crucified life and in walking in the very steps of Jesus against the grain of this world. As St. Paul said, but may it never be that I would take pride in anything 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Then at the very end of the Paschal season, which we reach today, we find ourselves yet another feast of the martyrs, the Sunday of all saints. That this day is dedicated especially to those who have suffered for Christ is made clear in the hymn of the feast. With the blood of your martyrs, O Christ our God, your church is adorned throughout the world as with purple and fine linen. Pascha, as it were, is sandwiched between two occasions on which we especially remember those who have suffered for the Lord. All Saints Day coming a week after the descent of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and so devoted to the blessed consequences that the Holy Spirit has had in the life of the members of the church, that is, creating holy people, making saints. But why does the church keep the martyrs so strongly in her memory? If you read the Synaxarion, that is, the list of the saints of the day, you will not find a day in the church calendar where we don't honor and remember those who have laid down their lives for Christ. What can we learn from them? Above all, Jesus himself is referred to as the faithful martyr by St. John in the book of the Apocalypse. And even the Lord calls himself the faithful and true martyr. Later on in the same book of Revelation, a door is opened in heaven, and St. John reports the following vision. I saw under the altar in heaven the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the martyrdom which they held. It is those who have given up their lives for the word of God who we know are in heaven. The saint par excellence is indeed the martyr. But what is a martyr? What is it that changes a suffering from a destructive force to a creative force that transforms a violent death into an act of holy martyrdom, a corruption of justice into an atoning and blessed sacrifice? The answer to this question can be provided by a story relayed by a Russian Christian, Yulia, who was going through terrible times under the communist regime. As her husband had been imprisoned, she felt engulfed by hopelessness. All of her suffering, her husband's, and those under her and around her seemed meaningless and futile. To what end, she asked herself, is all this for? Suddenly she heard a voice, the unspoken voice of another, as she described it. And they were the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, which changed her life. He said the following, I will share in every last one of your burdens as they cripple and twist you. I will know the full horror of your deliberate destruction by the men of your own race. I will know the weight of your burden 
through carrying it alongside of you. I want to carry it. I need to know it. Because of my incarnation and your baptism, there is no other way. If you agree, he said to her. My brothers and sisters in Christ, do we not also often find ourselves saying and feeling what Yulia was experiencing? How often do we go through trials and tribulations in our life saying, to what end, O Lord? We often fall into despair and think there is no hope ahead of us. The fact is, each of us is called at some point in life to certainly face disappointment, the loss of those we love, the pain, either physical or mental or emotional. In a fallen world, such suffering is unavoidable. The crucial question is how we face this suffering. For only by confronting it affirmatively with willing acceptance and with faith can we make the suffering creative. In itself, suffering certainly is an evil. It is not part of God's original plan for his creation. He made us not for sorrow, but for joy, not for mourning, but for laughter. We are not to say that suffering as such is a blessing from God, and yet, by the divine mercy and grace, what is in itself an evil can be transformed into a good. It all depends upon the inward attitude of the one suffering. We can make and meet hardships with resentment and defiance, in which case our spirituality will be destroyed and our persons embittered. Alternatively, we may not, I'm sorry, we may meet suffering actively, positively, in a spirit of grace, faith, and love. In this case, the suffering can be accepted, even offered, and through this offering, transfigured. It is certainly not easy, but it is the way of the gospel. It is the way of Christ. As he said to Yulia, if you agree. It is the presence or absence of this agreement that makes all the difference in the world. Christ, the ultimate martyr, went voluntarily, as we know, to his death, and the martyr as a second Christ in solidarity with him, that is, each and every person suffering with and for Christ, is called to do the same. Innocent suffering does not by itself make someone into a martyr. It is also required that we on our part should voluntarily accept that suffering, whatever that suffering may be. Christ also said to that woman, I will share because our suffering is made creative and death becomes sacrificial as soon as we become aware that Christ our God is himself suffering with us. And because of this divine co-suffering, we in turn are able to suffer with and for others. Let us not forget the words of St. Paul. We are children of God, he says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. 
Through his incarnation, Christ enters into all the fullness of human life, as we know, as the book of Hebrew affirms. For we do not have a high priest, St. Paul writes, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. How comforting it is to know that the Lord himself has gone through every kind of human experience, everything that we could face, participating in every aspect of human life and in the fullness of suffering and human death. Bearing our griefs, carrying our sorrows, he takes our burdens upon himself. It is no wonder that the holy martyrs went to their deaths rejoicing. St. Stephen's face was as the face of an angel, the book of Acts tells us, before he was stoned. St. Polycarp, the early bishop, on his way to be burnt alive, we read, was inspired with courage and joy, and his face was filled with grace. Shouldn't we also turn our own sufferings into joy, knowing that our Lord suffers with us and that in enduring, we will receive the greatest reward. Martyrdom is indeed a universal vocation for Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether we are called to die outwardly with our bodies for Christ depends largely on factors outside our control, on the political situation under which we live. But what does lie directly within our power and on us, however, is whether we take up our cross inwardly. Let us then beseech God that we may be instructed, strengthened, inspired by the trials and the struggles of all the saints placed before us this day, the day of all saints, which they endured for the faith and upon entreating him that we may to the end imitate their own godly lives as they were imitators of Christ, to whom be the power and the glory forever. Amen.